Let's go to him in prayer. Father, we this morning uh, again, we are just amazed. Lord, I just, uh, every, every moment that I live, uh, I'm just amazed at, at uh, how you are a merciful God. And Lord, uh, your mercies are new every morning. And Father, you uh, love us unconditionally, even when we fail you, even when we break your heart, we grieve your spirit. You never leave us nor forsake us, as we have sung about this morning. Father, we, we just thank you for that great uh, love uh, that's been manifested towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, help us just to uh, love you more and more as we grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ and that we would not just be hearers of your word, but we would be moved uh, by your mighty power and changed by that power and uh, the gospel would be more real in our lives, uh, that we would uh, be more like Christ as we will study uh, what Paul encourages us to, uh, to be like and to uh, live like as a Christian. And Lord, we, we uh, all struggle, we all fail, we all wander, and uh, we all dis disappoint you. At, in, uh, but Lord, uh, we just again thank you for your amazing grace that we're not guilty, uh, that we're your children, uh, we're, we're, uh, we're saints of the Most High God. And uh, Lord, as you look at us, you see Christ and uh, all of his perfect obedience is now our uh, perfect obedience by faith in him and, and trust in him. And, Lord, all of our righteousness we know is filthy rags. And so, Lord, this morning we come, we come pleading the blood of Christ. And uh, we come uh, thanking you uh, for your, your great grace. And uh, so, Lord, help us to cry out to you daily. Help us to look to you uh, daily, to fix our eyes on you daily. Uh, help me to do that. And, uh, Lord, I'm so prone to wander. Um, and to live in my own strength. Lord, we lift up to you this morning uh, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Marshall and um, as they make this uh, transition into uh, uh, assisted living and God just give them grace to accept that, uh, to, uh, uh, to have peace as this uh, transition and this change in their life occurs. Lord, we pray for, for Donna as well uh, as she needs to, to move into assisted living, that you would work in her to do that and uh, just give wisdom uh, to the family as they encourage her in that area. And uh, Lord, we pray for the nativity that's coming up in December and for all that needs to be done and for the animals that need to be gathered. Lord, you have been so gracious in opening doors in the past and and, Father, we, we would ask that you would do that again. And for the weather, that it would be uh, weather that we could uh, do this in and, and all for your glory. Lord, we would pray for Amelia, who's homesick this morning and who's feeling poorly. And, uh, Lord, I would also pray for their trip uh, for 
Andrew and Amelia as they will be traveling. And, uh, and just bless them, Lord. Just bless them and, uh, as they bless others. And for John Johnson, Lord, uh, that you would reveal himself, that you would reveal yourself to him. Uh, and God, have mercy upon him. May he uh, uh, come to know you in a personal way, that you would become real to him, that the love of Christ, as we have sung about this morning, as ways would just roll over him, that he would be just uh, consumed by your love and that he would understand and know the love of Christ that passes all understanding. Lord, and for Ben and Kelly as they are working to finish this house up to, to be rented, we just pray that you'll give them strength uh, uh, to complete this task. And So, Father, we, we thank you uh, that you are working in our midst uh, and uh, you're a great God. And help us, Lord, to uh, enter into each other's afflictions and trials and sufferings and, and blessings. And, Lord, that we might uh, be a church uh, who really does uh, uh, love one another and that that would be seen by all. And we just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, in Romans uh, chapter 12, uh, <clears throat> we, we have, of course, here, as I've said before, a description uh, of the Christian life and of course, Paul does that in other areas in the, in, in the Bible, in, in his writings. Uh, but uh, I want to pay particular attention to verse 12 of Romans 12, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. We'll, by uh, uh, God's grace, we'll look at the first two, rejoicing in hope, persevering in, in tribulation, and devoted to prayer for next week. But uh, do we have joy in Jesus? Do we have hope in Jesus? Uh, are we suffering tribulation with Jesus? Uh, and then, of course, next week, are we praying through Jesus? It's all about Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, if we could just get that through our thick skulls, particularly me. Uh, we need to see it's all about him. We also see uh, in this chapter that this the, the main theme of verses particularly 9 through 13 uh, is love. The banner over me is love. The banner over me is love. And we cannot preach that to ourselves enough. enough. We saw in verse 2 of Romans 12, remember, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. So uh, with the new mind, we can discern what the will of God is for our lives uh, personally so that we can serve him in that, uh, in that manner, that we can walk in that way that he would have us walk in. And that will be different from, for every one of us. We all have different jobs in the church, and we looked at that 
uh, and I won't take time to go through that again. But uh, we're to do it for love's sake. By the mercies of God, Paul says. For love's sake, be patient in tribulation and so forth. For love's sake, uh, that's important in, in our lives. And uh, the first thing I want to look at this morning is the, uh, we'll take the second one first, which is uh, tribulation. And uh, anybody here enjoy uh, tribulation? Uh, anybody? <laughs> I don't see any hands. <laughs> what was that? A That's a silly question. It is a silly question. No, no one enjoys tribulation. It's kind of unique in the list here uh, in, in Romans that, that Paul lists here because it's not a, a virtue like these other virtues that rises up in the heart. And uh, it comes from the outside, as we know. Diseases and rejection, uh, strife in relationships, uh, uh, death, all of these things that come against us come from the outside where these other things are, come from within. And, uh, and so really, tribulation for the Christian, particularly, is the setting or the environment in which you can rejoice. It is the environment, tribulation, all of these things, uh, is the environment or the setting uh, for hope, for prayer, and for patience. That's the setting. Because life is full of tribulations. If you haven't experienced tribulation, just wait, it's coming. I mean, I, that may, you know, but that's just part of the Christian life. That is normal, as we will see. Uh, you're not uh, singled out in this respect. Uh, just think of our Lord himself. Our Lord himself, uh, who was without sin. You know, was without sin, and yet he suffered uh, the most. There was more tribulation that came against him. And be, just give thanks to God for the for His mercy that we do not have that much affliction and tribulation. Some have. Paul certainly had his share, but I would say I don't. I mean. If I lived in a foreign country where Christians were being killed and if you meet together, it could be, yeah, maybe we could even understand this a little bit. And of course, there are different, many, there, there are many different uh, trials and tribulations that come against us. So I understand that as well, from sickness to disease and, and, uh, and these things. But, uh, but for Christ, it was uh, uh, something that was part of his life, his entire life. In John 8.41, uh, his discussion here with, uh, with the Jews, with the Pharisees, uh, they said to him, you're doing the deeds of your father, they said to him, to Christ. Uh, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. We were not born of, they were talking about Christ. Why? Because it was a known fact that his mother was with child before they were married. His parents were married. So he lived with that his entire life. You were born of fornication. Because, see, we know from the Scripture, and we know now, that what was conceived in her was what? By the Holy Spirit. But they said, this is a bastard. 
I mean, that's the two choices that they had. So he lived with that, and he was accused of that his entire life. That was something that he had to endure. And so he was, uh, of course, at birth, he was uh, laid in an animal uh, feeding trough. And this is the king of kings and lord of lords. He had to flee uh, to Egypt as a, as a child and stay there for two years, remember. And uh, even when they, he did miracles, remember what they said of him. But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, This man cast out demons only by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. So, you know, it was either he was, what he was doing was by, uh, by God or the only other choice was he was doing it by the power of Beelzebub, see? And so uh, he, he was accused of even uh, uh, being, uh, being that. And so uh, he, he, w- he lived a life of, uh, uh, of a lot of tribulation and suffering. Trumped up charges, remember, at the end of his life, and he was crucified. And uh, uh, that's was that's part of it. What did Jesus say? A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher and the slave like his master. If they have called the head of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign the members of his household? So you're going to go through uh, and you're going to be treated the same as I've been treated. And... uh, and so what did Paul say to the, uh, uh, the, the Christians in the churches? This was after Paul had been stoned and had been raised from the dead. He says in, in Acts 14, 22, he says, Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Uh, also, and remember we went in Luke 14, 27, who, do, who does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So we see this as a part of the Christian life. Uh, also, what Peter taught in 1 Peter uh, 4, 12, and 13, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the, degree, to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ. So you share the sufferings of Christ. Keep on, and what's, notice, keep on what? Rejoicing. So that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with, with exaltation. That's uh, pretty plain, pretty plain. And yet we know that uh, uh, in this body we groan, as Romans 8.23 tells us uh, there's, there's cancer, calamity, and conflicts in this world. And it's normal. It's normal. And this is uh, for the Christian on the path to heaven. But we're to rejoice. We're to rejoice in these tribulations, Paul says, and tells us that. Uh, I fail to do that so much. I fail to rejoice in what God uh, is allowing me to go through so so much of the time. But uh, remember back in uh, Romans chapter 5, just looking back, Paul mentions it, uh, he mentions it there as well. 
in 3, 4, and 5, he says, And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about uh, perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope, which is what we're looking at today. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Amen. And that, uh, that's just wonderful, uh, wonderful news. So uh, uh, tribulation, of course, Satan means it for our destruction, but God uses it for our good. Satan is trying to destroy your joy, and yet the truth is, and I believe uh, God uses that to sink the roots even deeper into hope that our joy may be even greater. And we've got to understand that, and we've got to realize that. I mean, are we growing because of these tribulations, or are we just getting tired of the fight? Or are we becoming weary in well-doing? Are we receiving them, rejoicing, knowing that they are from God for our good? That's what we have to understand. Yes, Satan's out to destroy us? No. Uh, yes, but, uh, but God means it for our good. And so um, Satan is being used to drive the root of joy deeper into hope. And who is our hope? God is. See, he's driving, he's driving the roots deeper into God, and that's what, uh, that's what we're to do. So we see it is a joy in hope, is what he says here in Romans 12, 12. Rejoicing in hope. And uh, uh, I like what David said, of course, in, uh, in reading of that portion from 1 Peter. And uh, I agreed with everything he says. The definition of Christian hope is this. It's a confident expectation of good things to come. I like that. The definition of Christian hope. It's not a hope so. It's not the Christian just hopes that everything's going to turn out right. It's a no so, hope so. And I remember hearing that years ago. It's a no so, hope so. Because hope in the, in the Bible doesn't mean possibility. No, it is a confident expectation of good things to come. Hebrews 6.11 And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. See, you can have full assurance of hope. Full assurance of hope. 1 John 5.13 says, uh, These things I have written unto you, uh, that you may know that you have eternal life. That you can know, not, not just hope that you have, but that you can know you have it Amen. and have full assurance that you have it. And of course, you just read the rest of what pre precedes that and to find out what, uh, uh, what that's all about. But no, we can, we can have confident expectation. And that's what it means. What is the ground of this Christian hope? What's the... Uh, uh, the ground of it, Colossians 1.23, if indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard. The hope of the gospel. Well, what's the gospel? Jesus. It's all about Jesus. 
We hope in Jesus. Uh, we we uh, uh, know that Christ died for our sins on the cross. Uh, that's that's a, a blessed hope. And it's, it's something that we know. It's something that we're, we're taught. Christ is our righteousness, we're taught. That's a wonderful hope. This is what he's saying here. Uh, we, can, uh, we can rejoice knowing that uh, uh, Christ is our hope. And we... Uh, See, in verse 27, I didn't write this one down, but in verse 27 in Colossians it says, uh, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul says on down in in verse 27. So Christ is our hope. And uh, it's it's really, really uh, a wonderful thing. So we can have, we can have full assurance we can have full assurance of that that's our hope you know every time we see the rainbow in the sky we see the rainbow it's it's really neat because the rainbow of course is like a bow and arrow okay notice the bow is pointing away from the earth why There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The bow points away. The arrow goes away through Christ, through through the promises of God. And uh, that's that's a a wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, teaching. Yes, there really is a pot at the end of the rainbow. That's our hope. But it's 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 not... uh, you know, leprechauns kind of thing. No, it's really true. There is a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow because God made the rainbow and he gave with that rainbow promises, promises that come with God. And so this is, this is wonderful. What is the cause of the Christian hope? What is the cause of the Christian hope in the human heart? Uh, what brings it about and sustains it? Well, for one thing, the work of regeneration. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to what? A living hope through the resurrection of Christ. That's what we read this morning. Uh, uh, David read this morning. Also, the promises of God in Romans uh, 15 and verse 4, we'll see. For whatever was written in earlier times was written... For our instruction that, uh, that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So even the scriptures themselves or uh, uh, the promises in his word bring hope, Paul says. Uh, what are we hoping for? What are we hoping for? Rejoicing in hope. Hope of what? Hope of what? What, is the, what does the Bible say concerning that? One of the, my, my uh, verse from, uh, uh, that, that's my life verse, is Titus 2.13, looking for what? The blessed hope and the appearing of the glory, the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus. Think of that, the glory 
You realize how glorious that's going to be when he comes again? You know, we live on this earth with sin. And uh, when Jesus comes, when he, his appearing is going to be like past breathtaking. It's going to be glorious. And we just use that word, you know, glorious. But we don't even know what we're saying. Amen. Because it's so far above what we can imagine or think. This is what Paul is driving at here. Whoa! The appearing of Christ. That's what we're hoping for. The redemption of our bodies, Romans 8.23. And then the consummation of our righteousness, Galatians 5.5. 5. For we through the Spirit by faith are waiting for the hope of righteousness. It's a sure hope. There's a consummation of our righteousness, which is uh, our sins. When we will no longer sin. We'll be glorified. We will be with Him forever. See, that's a precious hope. But it's a sure thing. We're not talking about chance here or not coming about. No. No, this is a sure hope. That's what hope is. And then there is the uh, uh, sharing of the glory of God in Romans 5 uh, in verse 2. I won't read that, but you can read that. Also, inheriting eternal life, Titus uh, 3, 7, so that being justified by His grace, we would be made heirs according to the what? Hope of eternal life. See, that's what we're hoping for. But it's a, it's a no-so hope-so. Okay? We have eternal life. That's ours. It's not possible or that it, uh, there's no possibility that, that that's not going to occur. No. We have eternal life. That's the promise from God. That's what Paul is driving at. Uh, there's, so there's a whole lot here in, in what he says. And uh, does this hope then change anything uh, in our lives as we live out our lives daily? I think it does. I think it changes us dramatically. Uh, rejoicing in hope. Rejoicing in hope. Where is our focus? Where is our focus? Where is our focus? Is it, is it on Christ? And when we focus on Christ, what is the fruit of that focus? Joy. Rejoicing in hope. As you focus on Christ, what is that going to do in your life? What is that going to do if you're really a Christian? If you're a real believer, it's going to bring joy to your life. Let me ask you, how much joy is there in your life? I bet there's not much focusing on Jesus if there is none. Why? I experience that. That's how I know. Because when I take my eyes off of Christ and put them on the stuff of this world and start thinking about my needs, my desires, my stuff, more stuff, it doesn't work. It just doesn't. I tell you, it doesn't work. Take my word for it. You don't have to experience it. Just take my word. <laughs> but we have to experience, sad to say, many times uh, what should be obvious. So we hope in Christ. Hope bears the fruit of joy. Uh, to have real Christian joy, we must hope in Christ. This is what Paul is saying. Joy must grow out of hope. In Christ. This is what, if you wanted to paraphrase this, you could say, let your joy be the joy that comes from hope. Amen. 
That's a good way, I think, of paraphrasing that. Uh, or bear the fruit of joy in the branch of hope. I think hope and joy go together. You can't separate them. Now, quickly, what about Christian joy? Uh, Christian joy is, uh, is not just an act of the will. Okay, I'm going to be joyous today. Does that work for you? No. Wake up and say, I'm just going to be joyous today. <sighs> no, it doesn't. You'll find that, that, that doesn't work. It's just not, it's not willpower. But it's an emotional, spontaneous response of the heart. I believe it. It's a spontaneous, emotional. When, when, when you hear somebody say, amen, what has that done? It's moved them in such a way that they'll say, truly, I believe that. Hallelujah. Glory. See, that's it. You don't go, you don't go say, uh, uh, glory. Uh, hallelujah. Because I'm supposed to say, no, you feel it. You experience it. You re, you're rejoicing in hope because you believe it. There really is a feast. Uh, the marriage supper of the Lamb coming. Amen. And it's going to be glorious. It's going to be nothing like what we saw in Hollywood. They had a feast out there. Believe me. Just take my word for it. It was a feast. But this feast is going to be more glorious than they could ever even think about coming up with. You know, Tom Hanks was there and all these famous people were there and, you know, and all this stuff going on. It was, it was, uh, uh, it was nothing compared to the feast in heaven. I believe that. That's a hope. That is, there. I tell you, you start uh, dwelling on that, uh, it, it'll, uh, it'll, it'll change you. It'll change you because it's real, and it, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's deep. And uh, but uh, that's an emotional response. And though you have been have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him. You greatly, see, we believe in him, and that's the gift of God. We, that's, we trust him. He's, he's revealed himself to us. We believe in him. You greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. That's your response, and that's real. This, this joy is, is uh, firm and deep. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is what? Fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures for how long? Pleasures. Pleasures. Everybody on this earth is seeking pleasures. Pleasures. More pleasures. But in heaven, what? It's pleasures forever. Forever and ever and ever. See, that's the hope. That's the hope that, that Paul is talking about here. And uh, uh, Christian joy uh, will flourish even in the midst of, of pain and suffering. What did Paul, how, did, how did Paul describe himself? As sorrowful yet always rejoicing. As sorrowful yet always rejoicing. You know, we, we sorrow, and there's nothing wrong with that. I remember when, when Mom passed away, and, and uh, uh, we wept. Wept. We, it was a sorrowful occasion. And yet at the same time, we were rejoicing. Why? We knew she was in a better place. Amen. She was no longer suffering from this cancer that she had. She was rejoicing. She was with God. 
That's the hope. And it was that hope that made us rejoice because we know in whom we have believed. You see, this is what Paul is telling us here. Is he real? Is he real to us? And uh, we can rejoice even in, in suffering. You know, even when those waves come crashing in uh, and the turbulence, uh, you've been out in the Gulf, you know, and these waves are crashing in and then you, you, you're, you're out there and then all of a sudden you notice you're about 100 yards down the beach because of the tide has carried you down there, you know. And the thing is, we're being moved along, even though the waves are crashing, all this turbulence, we're being taken somewhere. Christ is moving us. God is moving us as we go along, even with these sufferings and trials that come. And uh, uh, we, should, we should see that and understand that. And uh, we're, we're, to, we're to rejoice. We're to rejoice. And uh, even in... Tribulation. We can rejoice even in tribulation. I think this is my last verse this morning. But this is, again, the little book of Habakkuk is, is just full of so much truth. Here, this little prophet, God had told him the Babylonians were coming. And, of course, he pleased with God to not let that happen. And it's just breaking Habakkuk's heart because God says, no, judgment has come. Uh, this is the way it's going to be. And you know, Habakkuk could have just said, well, I'm out of here. Uh, life is over. Uh, I can't live anymore. Uh, it's just too tough. But what does Habakkuk say? And he says, I heard my inward parts trembled at the sound. My lips quivered. And I bet you they really did. I bet you speaking literally here because of what was coming against the nation. I bet you, he, I bet he really, his lips were quivering. And uh, uh, decay enters my bones and in my place I tremble. I bet he really did because I must wait quietly for the day of distress for the people to rise who will invade us. And that was, of course, the Babylonians. But what, is, what does he say when he knows this is going to happen? Where was Habakkuk's focus when this was about to happen? Verse 17, Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will what? I will exalt in the Lord. And I, uh, <laughs> I don't know what I did. <laughs> Left. Right. Okay. Don't you love it? Thank God for Andrew. <laughs> See, he saw what was going to happen. And yet, I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God 
of my salvation. I will rejoice in whom? In his hope. In the God of his salvation. His hope was in God. Our hope is in God. Our hope is in Christ. Our salvation is in Christ. Where is our, where is our focus this morning? Are we really focused on Christ? Yeah. And that's me. I, I'm including myself. Turn to Second uh, Corinthians. I didn't put this and we'll, we'll close with this verse. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17. It's so easy, it's so easy to get our focus off of what we need to be focused on. Four, Second Corinthians chapter four. And I alluded to this before I began, maybe even during the prayer time, but Second Corinthians chapter four, beginning at verse six, 16. Therefore, do not lose heart. It's so easy to lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is what? Being renewed day by day. That's Romans, Romans 12, is it not? For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. That is, for the things that we hope for. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. In other words, yes, there are going to be afflictions, there are going to be trials, there are going to be uh, tribulations, but if we're focused on Christ, if we're fixed on Him, we're told, we believe that this light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. You know, there's a song that says, look full in his wonderful face and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Is that in our hymn book? That might be a good one. That, is it turn your eyes on, on Jesus? Okay. If we could sing and close with that, with that song because I think that song says so much uh, that we need to hear. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we, we're just amazed at your amazing grace. Lord, we're, we, we have such abundance. We're so blessed Lord, help us to see that the stuff in this world is passing away. Everything that we uh, cling to, everything that we focus on will be gone. But Lord Jesus abides forever and we will be with him forever. Lord, may we look full in his wonderful face. So the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace.
In Jesus' name, amen.